0: Welcome to the Pioneers in Learning podcast by InSpirit, where we host experts from around the globe and learn about their trials and tribulations when bringing their innovations to the education sector. My name is Amrita and I'm honored to have David Lockett with me today. David was a STEM and computer science teacher at Bach Academy, an Apple distinguished school that provides one to one access to Apple devices to all students, faculty and administrators. They demonstrate an innovative and compelling learning environment that engages students and provides tangible evidence of academic accomplishment. He recently accepted an appointment as an Albert Einstein Distinguished Fellow at NASA STEM. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today, David.
1: Yes, I'm excited to uh, join you today. It's been an interesting uh, time of year.
0: It definitely has. Uh, But before we get into how this year has been, could you start by just telling us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Hello, my name is David Lockett, a STEM and computer science teacher. Uh, I was recently appointed to the Albert Einstein Fellowship uh, Educator uh, Award sponsored by the NASA Office of STEM Engagement. this fellowship brings STEM and computer science teachers uh, onto a federal level so we can better understand STEM and computer science and we can take back uh, amazing professional development, ideas and new ways to reach not only our students, but our teachers as well. Uh, I know in the classroom uh, as an Apple teacher, I, I worked in a one-to-one school and our students were able to benefit from technology in ways that I you know, couldn't even imagine. Uh, students were able to collaboratively work on projects, whether they be challenge-based or project-based. This was a great way to get students uh, learning across the curriculum and so they could better understand why and how technology is used in our classrooms.
0: And I think that's the best way to integrate technology, David. Um, On that note, what does an ideal STEM class look like to you?
1: You know, that's a that's a great question. You know, what does an ideal STEM class look like? You know, there is no ideal STEM class. I know when I uh, you know visited STEM teachers across the country, uh, you know, when I participated in professional development, every class was completely different. You saw classes that had tools. You saw classes that students were actually making. You saw classes where there was technology. I saw some classes that were very little to no, no technology. So when I think about, you know, an ideal STEM classroom, I think about the collaborative uh, piece by the students. You know, I think about, you know, the classroom is project driven. You know, what are they what are the students taking away from this? How are they getting these new STEM ideas? You know, how are they relating them to current events? You know, what can they do in order to better understand the process? So that's a good question. There is no ideal STEM class. They, every class is so different because there's so much creativity going on.
0: Definitely makes sense. And I I wonder, because you also have experience teaching computer science, and computer science is seen as one of those isolating fields um, where you're typically just at a computer learning how to code by yourself. Um, What does an ideal computer science class look like to you? And is it similar to how a teacher would go about teaching STEM?
1: You know, an ideal computer science class is one that is reflective. It is one that's where, you know, students can work and do partner coding projects. Uh, You know, when you think about computer science, you know, it's very, uh, uh, you know, vocabulary driven. It's very syntax heavy. Uh, I know a lot of times when we worked on computer science projects, my students loved to create, you know, whether it's games, uh, you know, whether it's app design. You know, they love the creation part, you know. In a computer science classroom, you have to be able to fail in a creative way. You know, is your program going to, you know, work the first time? No, you might have to debug it. But, you know, in a computer science classroom, you know, you want your students to have uh, opportunities to have that access to technology. You know, working in a one-to-one Apple school, we were able to take advantage of, you know, iPads, you know, uh, iPhones and Macs in a way that students could start their project on one platform and finish it on another.
0: That yeah, that sounds great. And I guess what are some of the tools that you guys used to teach STEM and computer science?
1: Uh, you know, there's a, there's a variety of tools, and I always say you know, there there's there's no one tool that will work for every classroom. I know in the classroom we worked on projects with Tinker. We did a lot of Tinker projects that involved, uh, uh, you know, drone coding and drone programming. Uh, Students loved coding uh, using Tinker for things like Sparrow. Uh, We also did a lot of Scratch. We wanted to give them a good idea and a good foundation for the coding. So, you know, we started with Scratch. And then as we moved on, they were able to use things like Microsoft Maycode. And then we kind of per se, graduated onto micro bits, so they could not only use a, a device to input the code, but they could use these different devices to, uh, you know, take temperature, uh, you know, measure, uh, you know, light sensitivity. You know, adding in different components to coding is what makes computer science so special. Mm-hmm.
0: And... You had earlier mentioned that you were able to weave STEM and computer science across different disciplines. So could you share some of the strategies that you implemented to actually weave STEM and computer science experiences into different subjects?
1: Yeah, Uh, you know, STEM and computer science classes are integral for cross-curriculum learning. Uh, I know in a STEM and computer science classroom, uh, a lot of what the students are working on, a lot of design challenges, have a core reading component, uh, and in those those reading components, you know, they have to be able to uh, look at the context clues. You know, they have to be able to uh, decipher that vocabulary and uh, come to better understand. You know, why the reading component is so important. Uh, mathematics is also definitely a huge component. Uh, when our students were working on solar ovens, they had to, uh, you know, look at things like uh, convex, uh, current, you know, they had to weave in not only the vocabulary, but they had to use mathematics as well, you know, when they're designing those solar ovens, you know, they want to make sure that they have, uh, you know, certain angles so they can get, you know, maximum exposure to sunlight, uh, you know, there, there's so many different ways I know we had a rocket launch, we have our, our end of the year rocket launch and in those the students are mapping trajectories. so you know whenever you think about stem and computer science think about all the different aspects of why it's important the math is definitely important and the you know the reading itself is important there's a computer science and stem across the curriculum for all students to take advantage of
0: and how do you think computer science and stem education is changing like what advice would you give educators when they're thinking about how to design their curricula for their classes?
1: You know, Depending on your, your classroom situation, you know, obviously you know, we're currently in a situation where there's lots of asynchronous learning, there's lots of synchronous learning. Uh, you know, you've got face-to-face. You wanna make sure that your students have uh, access to instructions, uh, you know, instructions that aren't too complicated. You want them to be able to go to a particular site whether it's, you know, debugging, you know, whether it's an engineering challenge they're doing at home, you want them to be able to follow those steps in a sequence. Uh, A lot of times the biggest uh, access point for, you know, STEM and computer science teachers is your professional learning network. How are you involving your professional learning network? Uh, My professional learning network has been very important to me because we're trading ideas. We're finding out what works among teachers. You know, we're, uh, you know, whether it's looking for a grant, you know, I, I, we found some grants on get ed funding for our computer science students, you know, whether it's finding out, you know, what are the, you know, the current trends in STEM with STEM connector, you know, finding that, uh, you know, that professional learning network connection to get a better idea of, you know, what you're learning and sharing among those is probably the biggest aspect that, you know, any STEM or c- computer science teacher can do.
0: And where do you think educators should start when trying to build this professional network?
1: You know, that's, that's a very good question. You know, when you're, when you're building this professional network, I always like to start within my school system. You know, I, you know, whether it's, you know, co-teachers, whether it's teachers across the curriculum, I always like to get their input and their ideas first. You know, how could we bring in this STEM design challenge to a uh, social studies lesson, to a reading lesson? Start with your, your your co-teachers first, and then from there, branch out. You know, a, a lot of us are, are members of different organizations. Uh, you know, I personally am a member of ISTE, National Science Teachers Association, you know, and I'm, I'm constantly asking questions, you know, wh- what are your thoughts on this lesson? You know, what are your ideas? You know, how can we improve it? And, you know, the biggest aspect for these different ideas is to ask your students. Uh, a lot of times when we worked on our different design challenges, we would have a, a review session at the end of those sessions our students would ask, you know, how can we improve this lesson for the next group of students? What, what could we do, you know, better to add in more steps, uh, you know, in order to make our program work, in order to program our robot? So, you know, having that open dialogue is always a good point.
0: And while you were implementing all these different changes, um, either within your class or just across different classes, what are some of the obstacles that you faced when trying to implement these changes?
1: Uh, That's a very good question. You know, there's a variety of obstacles to overcome. One of the biggest obstacles that I found, you know, not only within my classroom, but with teachers nationwide is funding sources. How can we find funding sources to make sure that all of our students can benefit from STEM? You know, how can we do that? So a lot of times, you know, I would, you know, attend grant conferences. uh, You know, I would look for grants, you know, I would look on Twitter, I would look on Facebook for grants. You know, I would find different programs that were willing to not only sponsor our students, but extend and empower our learning. Uh, another uh, big, I wouldn't say obstacle, but one way that you can overcome these obstacles is to get community support. How is your community supporting what you do? Uh, a lot of times uh, for a lot of our projects, we would have you know the beginning and the end of the project. We would put our projects on display. And then from there, we would invite the community in. We want them to be involved. We want to get their input we would involve, you know, a local industry, Uh, you know, how can we get them more involved in what they were doing? And then from there, they would take ownership. And we were able to not only fund our programs, but reach a different, uh, you know, a different mix of our community in order to, you know, better uh, understand STEM and computer science uh, for not only our students, but for our educators as well.
0: And would you say grants are probably one of the best sources of funding?
1: Uh, you know, I would say grants are—they're definitely a, you know a big aspect of you know how you're going to equip your students. You know, but also look at your your, you know, your foundation, Society for Science. Uh, you know, they're they're you know a fantastic organization that can uh, you know help your students with research, you know, whether it's STEM research or science research. Uh, you know, you've got things like STEM ecosystems. Uh, STEM network, and all of these different, uh, you know, organizations can help equip you in the classroom.
0: That's incredible. And, and now you're serving as a distinguished educator fellow at the Albert Einstein Fellowship with NASA STEM. So what does that actually entail? And could you tell us a bit more about how you're working with different educators across the nation?
1: Yeah, so one, uh, you know, the most important aspect of the fellowship is, How can we bring this STEM knowledge on a federal arena? How can we, you know, uh, you know, come up with new professional development, new ideas, new avenues for funding? How can we, you know, educate not only ourselves, you know, but teachers across the country? Uh, It's been a a worthwhile experience that, you know, is, uh, you know, each day is an adventure. I always say, you know, each day is something new. Uh, You know, a lot of the programs and all the projects I worked on in my classroom, I'm amazed now. To you know better understand how they work, uh, better understand how federal systems work, and uh, you know have a different idea on how uh, you know I can better equip not only you know teachers at my school, teachers nationwide, and students, but I have different ideas that I would like to you know bring back and develop in the classroom.
0: And how do teachers get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, how would you work with teachers through this program?
1: Uh, You know, it's it's a good question. You know, the Albert Einstein Fellowship is actually taking applications right now. Uh, uh, If you're on Twitter, just go to at AEF underscore program. Uh, You can find out, you know, some of the daily activities that the fellows work in. You can also get a, a good idea of, you know, the day to days and what we're bringing back to the classroom. I myself am very active on social media because I'm always looking at new ideas and how I can better educate myself and teachers. And I'm at David. Jay Lockett. so you know twitter's a a great place to find me it's a great place to build your pln and it's a great place to network
0: that's incredible and is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners david
1: yeah you know uh you know in your classroom you know don't take that one size fits all approach to STEM stem and computer science you know get out there try things you know different programs might work some might not But your goal is to, you know, better equip your students in our technology-based society and based world. They love to use technology. They want to use it to advance not only their learning, but use it to advance your learning as well.
0: Once again, this is the Pioneers in Learning podcast by InSpirit. Don't forget to subscribe for more deep dives with experts who are on the front lines working with the latest in learning technology and innovation. Thank you so much.